M the drummer back. Yeah. I've been going to, been going to church with him for a long time, so it's nice to worship with him. Plus, he's a genius. He's a Steelers fan. Um, so, today, studying the book of 2 Corinthians, and I've titled my message, Why Christians Are Offensive. Now, you might think, just reading that, of course, we know we have so many misguided so-called Christians in the world that use the Bible as a weapon. Um, they have some agenda other than being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they give Christians a bad name. They make the church look bad. We could talk about those. I'm not really talking about that. And I could say this. Even the best Christians, even the Christians that are trying to be most like Jesus, you, you would be offensive. Because Jesus said, if the world hated me, it will hate you. So if everybody loves you in the world, there might be something wrong with your Christianity. Paul said that whoever lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So that comes with it. But when I say why Christians are offensive, I mean, why are we on offense all the time? Why are we so actively aggressive? And that's what Paul talks about in these scriptures today. And if we're not actively aggressive on a mission for God, what's wrong with us? So Paul talks about what motivated him here. And uh, let's, let's read our text, 11 through 15, 2 Corinthians 5. It says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are... What we are is known to God, and I hope it's known also to your conscience. We are not con commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So there it is. Paul is talking about why he is so aggressive, why he is so ministry-minded. And there's a lot of little nuggets uh, we can get from that. But let's, let's look at verse 11 again. It says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are known to God, and I hope it's known also to your conscience. Paul, he, he, keeps, he has to defend his integrity. He's being attacked by false teachers. And he's saying, you know, remember he's talked about, I have a clear conscience. God knows what's going on here. And Paul says, we, I am motivated by the fear of the Lord. We've been talking about the fear of the Lord on Wednesday night. 
how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's not fear like we're terrified of God that we want to run away from Him. Actually, some Bible translations say knowing the terror of the Lord. Uh, I think ESV gets it right. It's the fear of the Lord. It's a respect. It's a desire to be obedient. It's a fear, though, that makes us run to God and want His help. So the Proverbs, there's a proverb that says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to Him and are safe. So we know how strong God is. We're, not, we're weak in ourselves, so we run to God for safety and strength and wisdom. But uh, we need, there should be more of a fear of God in our lives. There's no fear of God in this world. And folks, I'm going to tell you, I've been thinking about it lately with everything going on in the world, everything happening on the news. I mean, people, have no, people of this world have no idea what's coming. Have no idea. Let me remind you, 1 Thessalonians says it this way. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. He says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness, so let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. In other words, stay spiritually awake because, because everything that the Bible has told us is coming true. It's being set up. And as pe people, especially in this country, we've gotten comfortable. Everything's comfortable. And... We have the most misguided, weak leaders in the history of our country. And, I'm, and what's going to happen is, what's going to happen is, people don't realize. They just think we're safe and secure over here. And I'm telling you, we, the more sinful we are, God loved the people of Israel. That was God's people. But when they turned to false gods, God brought judgment on Israel. And, and judgment is headed for us. I'm, I, now, I'm one of these Christians. I'm, I'm hoping Jesus comes and takes the church before the heavy stuff comes. So, so I'm going to be hoping for that, right? But who knows? Who knows how bad it gets? And I, I always say, maybe if something very bad happens over here, maybe we'll find out who the true Christians are then. Because we're going to have to be real so there needs to be a fear of the Lord. Paul says the fear of the Lord persuades us. We fear God and we're going to get the gospel. That's the most important agenda out there. Getting the gospel to others. Then he says this in verse 12 of chapter 5. He says, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. So again, defending his integrity, telling, talking about his conscience, talking about what's in the heart. 
Paul dealt with these Corinthians. They were very prideful. And much like our world today, everybody was into the outer appearance. The outer appearance was more important than the heart. Let me read from 1 Samuel 16. When the prophet Samuel came to anoint a new king for Israel, Samuel was a good prophet. He was a strong, strong leader, a good man. But when Samuel walked inside of the house of Jesse, he saw David's older brother Eliab. And when he saw how tall he was, when he saw how strong he was, when he saw how handsome he was, Samuel says, that's got to be our new king. And then God said this to him, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God cares about your heart. And sometimes we, we misjudge people. And, and sometimes godly men, we make the mistake of looking for outward appearance. And sometimes even church leaders, you know, it's like I've been to the churches where they make the, they make the elders of the church, the guys with the money, the guys with the suit and ties, the guys who are going to be the yes men. And, and it's, it's, it's sad when God cares about the heart. God would rather have a leader that loves God with all of his heart, even if he couldn't afford a suit and tie. So we need to be about the heart. Jesus said this about the religious leaders of his day in Matthew 15. And you got to understand, the Pharisees of that day, they wore fancy religious robes. They had Bible verses tied around their forehead because they took that scripture I read last week, let them be frontlets to your eyes, literally. So they tied Bible verses to their forehead and walked around in these fancy flowing robes trying to act like they were spiritual. This is what Jesus said about him. He said, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and the commandments of men. Their, their religion was all on the outside, but they had nothing, no love for God in their heart. And it is sad. It is sad that we have this, especially in America, with people that wearing suits and ties and got big degrees on the wall. And yet, yet, where's the heart for God? Where's the love for God? So Paul is saying, listen, we are persuaded by the fear of the Lord, and we are motivated because it is in our heart. It's not about outward appearance. It's not about outward religion. We love God with our heart. And Freedom Bible Church, that's, that's what each of us need to be. We need to, we need to confess our sin of pride. We need to confess our sin of trying to look on the outside like we're Christians. We come out on Sunday and everybody's got their Christian mask on. It's like, it's like you know, some churches, it's like Halloween every Sunday. Everybody's got a Christian mask on. But where are the hearts for God? We've got to ask God. We've got to ask God for help with this. Because all of our hearts 
we have a sinful nature, and, and the Spirit lives in us as Christians, but that, that deceitful heart tries to overpower the Spirit of God within us. So we've got to be dedicated. We've got to be devoted. And we've been talking about Wednesday. We've got to seek wisdom with all of our heart. We've got to be motivated by God's love. And then he says in verse 13, I like this, he says, For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. <laughs> in other words, he's like, if you, if you think we're so crazy being such a fanatic about the gospel and our dedication to God, if, that, if you, you think we're crazy, well, we're crazy for God. That's what he's saying. And if we're in our right mind, it is for you. And so we need to, maybe we need to be a little bit more fanatical. And I know, I know, you know, talking about the misguided Christians using the Bible as a weapon. Um, I know, but I also know that, you know, and Peter tells us that when we deal with outsiders, we should, we should be filled with gentleness and respect. So Christians, we should be the most gentle and respectful people to everyone, even our enemies. Um, but, of course, we need, to be, we need to be devoted to it. We need to be more excited about it. We need to be more committed to it. And all of this should come from our heart. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, starting in verse 18, he says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. I love that. Paul is saying to the world, we are fools. We are fools. There are people out there, they think we're fools coming down here on a Sunday morning to read this ancient book. Why do we spend so much time why do, why do we do what we do? Because we would rather be fools for God than fools of this world. And this world is, like I said, it, it, it's, it's more foolish than it's ever been because, because people, people we have, we've just, God is no longer our central focus. And the more men rely on their own wisdom and their own strength, the more foolish it gets. And so it's just bound to happen. It's bound to happen. So we, we together as God's church, we've got to come together and seek wisdom like never before and rely on one another and be real and let our hearts be committed and not so much outward Christianity, but with our hearts so people can truly see the difference in the truth of the gospel 
and the lives that it really changes. And then he says this in verses 14 and 15. He says, For the love of Christ controls us. Some translations say, For the love of Christ compels us. Paul's saying again, This is why we're on this aggressive mission. This is what persuades us. It's, it's the love of Christ. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And what he means is that Jesus died for all the believers, and we now die to ourselves. We now take up our cross and follow Jesus because Jesus died for us. Verse 15 says, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised. So there it is. Are you motivated by the love of Christ? And I remember when I first took communion for the first time, when I became a believer, and when I was younger and we went to church and we took communion, but communion was just on the outside of me. It was just a religious thing to do. But man, when I took communion for the first time as a believer and I realized that Jesus died for me, I was so thankful. I was so moved with love in my heart to, to love him back because he loved me so much. Think about that. I mean, do you ever just sit down and worship the Lord and think about what he did for you? We're going to take communion next week. May we never take it for granted the sacrifice Jesus made for us and our love for that. Number one, you've got to realize how much he loves you. We love him because 1 John says he first loved us. So that's, that's what it is. When we realize how much he loved us, that's what's going to motivate us to love him back. And that's what it's going to make us go to another level of Christianity. Like Paul is saying we should have. So motivated to be on a mission for God and his gospel. His time is running out on planet earth. How much do you love the Bible? Wednesday night, how much do you love wisdom? Do you love it? I remember when uh, our missionary Seth spoke not long ago, and he told us about a woman who, she all, all she had was a gospel of Mark. She was blind lady. She couldn't see. And so she had, all she had was one book of the Bible, the gospel of Mark, and she read that Bible in Braille. She loved the gospel of Mark so much, and she fell in love with Jesus, her Savior, so much that she read that Bible so much that she developed calluses on her fingers. So she couldn't read it anymore. So desperate, hungry, hungry to be able to read, she took scissors and cut off the calluses off of her fingers. But she damaged the nerves. And she ruined being able to read with Braille. And the story says that this dear blind lady, she picked up her gospel of Mark to kiss it goodbye but when she kissed the Bible, her lips were sensitive to the Braille. She could now read the Bible with her lips. Awesome, huh? 
And do, do we love the Bible that much? Do we love God's Word that much? Do we realize what Jesus did for us? In 17th century, during the reign of Oliver Cromwell, in charge of uh, England, a soldier was sentenced to be executed for his crimes. And the soldier was going to be executed when the, when the bell rang at the end of the day. But when the execution was about to take place and they were all waiting for the bell to ring, the bell didn't go off. And Cromwell ordered to go and find out what's going on. And they went and they found a woman who had climbed up in the bell. She was the fiance of the soldier. She climbed up inside the bell and grabbed onto the clasp. And, and her body was beaten back and forth so the bell wouldn't ring. Cromwell ordered her to come. And when she came and stood before him and he saw the blood all over her hands and the bruises, he said, your lover will not die. Your sacrifice, because of your sacrifice and your love for him. And Cromwell had mercy on the soldier. You know, and these stories are there to tell us do, do we, what are we motivated by? How much do we love? How much do we love God? How much do we love each other? How motivated are we? May the Holy Spirit motivate us to be so committed, so committed, to be so real, and to have the hearts that please God. Please pray with me. Please pray with me, and uh, of course we're going to end with a worship song, but before that comes, let's have a time of prayer. Let's have a time of prayer, and I said this on Wednesday night, it said, I don't, I don't want it to be that when we pray on Sundays, just the pastor prays. I mean, obviously, we don't want everybody praying out loud because we just confuse each other. But the point is, in your heart, in your heart, in your heart, talk to the Lord. Confess your sin to the Lord. If, you know, when we read these scriptures, obviously, we're convicted. When I, you gotta understand, whenever I study what I'm studying, I get so convicted so I'm so convicted about my commitment to Christ. I'm so, I'm so convicted that sometimes I feel like I'm sidetracked and I'm not as devoted as I once was. So when I read these scriptures, I have to confess my own sin. Just confess your sin to God. He's so gracious. He's so loving. Fall in love with him. See it. Visualizing him dying for you thinking about you. He knew you. <laughs> you know, we're, we're finite beings, but we've, we've been around for infinity because we've been on God's mind for all of eternity. How about that? God knew you. God chose you. And he came and died for you, and he loves you so much. Ask God for you to love him back. Father, thank you for today. God, I pray if there's somebody here, they've never put their faith in you, Jesus. Maybe 
They've been kind of believing with their mind, but they've never really surrendered their heart to You. God, I pray that their heart would be broken over their sin. Their heart would be broken over Your sacrifice that You've made for us. And Lord, because of that, it would persuade us. Lord, help our church. Help our church to be like these early Christians like the Apostle Paul and those brave men that followed him and served with him. And they risked their lives, God, to get us the gospel, to give us these scriptures that we love so much on Sunday mornings. Because they went through all that, God, help us to be committed to it. Help us to make sacrifices. God, I pray that you do a work on all of our hearts. Thank you for this church, God. I thank you for, God, you've sent so many dear people to help me. So many dear people that love you from their heart, God. And I thank you for those dear people. And I pray that they would grow and you would strengthen them. I pray that all of us together would grow strong together. And God, even as we see our world falling apart and everything you warned us about in Scripture, We are children of the light. It will not surprise us. And God, we don't have to be afraid. You'll take care of us. Oh, Lord Jesus, come and get us. Come and get us, Lord. Get us out of here. We love you so much. We long to be with you. But until then, help us to be strong. Help us to be motivated. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship.